Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Hi, this is Wynn and Haley Smith. Our scripture reading for today is Jeremiah 29, 4-13. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. I was looking at the calendar earlier and I saw that today marks day 24 for our family being in quarantine. 24 days. I'm not sure about you, but for me, it's just now become a blur. Like a groundhog's day of just routines, trying to get through it, all of it sponsored by coffee and Netflix. And I was shocked by the fact that this blurry routine, I don't know what month it is, I don't know where we are, it's just been bizarre. And then on Monday, I was looking at the calendar trying to see what's coming up on for this Sunday, and I was shocked to find that today was Palm Sunday. <laughs> it's almost like, this experience of this pandemic has pulled us out of so many different things, but one of the things is our routines and seasons of life. And here we are in the season of Lent. Now, I haven't thought much about this, but here we are in the season of Lent. And what are the lessons that we learn in Lent? Lent is a season that is meant to teach us that we have limitations as people, that we are fragile, that we're mortal, that we are people who are in need. These are the very same lessons that our whole world is learning now. Our whole world is learning that we have limitations, that we are fragile, that we are mere mortals, and that we're dependent. So today, let's remember that here we are. Let's situate ourselves here in Lent, and especially on Palm Sunday, because Palm Sunday has a lot to teach us about life here in this season now. I want us to look at a picture of Palm Sunday here and just remember what this day is about. Palm Sunday is a day where Jesus rode into Jerusalem with the celebrations from the crowds. And like a king returning victorious from battle, Jesus rode into town as the crowds praised him, laying down their cloaks and palm branches. But Jesus did not display the might or dominance that was expected. Instead, Jesus was surprising. Jesus came in not with power or dominance or might, but Jesus came in on a borrowed colt. 
Soon after that, just think about this week that Jesus had. You think your week is hard? Think about this week. Soon after that, Jesus would go into the temple, flip over the tables as he found it being turned into a place of greed, not a place of prayer. He was then uh, questioned over and over by the religious leaders. He was anointed by a sinful woman uh, for his own death. He washed his disciples' feet like a servant would. He would then be betrayed by some of his dearest friends. He was deserted by almost all of the disciples. In the same crowd that praised Jesus on Palm Sunday, just a few days later, would cry out for his death on Good Friday, all in one week. How in the world are people this fickle? From praising Jesus on Palm Sunday to wanting his death. Well, I'm, I'm not positive I know the answer, but one thing I do know is this, is that our expectations are powerful. Our expectations are powerful and we are so bitter when they do not come through. Think about the expectations that you have for this season, trips that were canceled, plans that were made, and you just could not do it. Expectations are powerful. And people expected something particular for Jesus. They wanted Jesus to be a certain type of king. They expected him to be a certain type of savior, one that would kick out uh, the power of Rome, that would end their suffering, that would bring about a new kingdom. But instead, Jesus was going to do something very, very different. He wasn't going to bring in comfort and position and dominance. Instead, uh, Jesus did something very, very surprising. And what we find out is that these people on Palm Sunday, they weren't really praising Jesus. They were praising who they wanted Jesus to be. And there's always a great difference to who we want Jesus to be and who Jesus actually it is. You see, Jesus defied all expectations. He brought in an upside-down kingdom in the midst of challenges, in the midst of suffering. This is what we find in Jesus, is that the Savior does not get people out of pain and out of suffering, but offers us peace in the midst of suffering and pain, confusion, challenges, and trials. That is in that very place that we can find peace. This is the Prince of Peace. Now, this truth is de demonstrated so beautifully and powerfully in an Old Testament story written by a man named Jeremiah. It's written about a man named Jeremiah. And in this book is one of the most quoted and quilted verses in all the Bible. Here it is. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in a future. What's surprising about this verse is the dark context in which it is written from. Well before the time of Jesus, Jeremiah was a prophet. He was someone who God used to speak truth to the people of Israel. And God was calling Jeremiah to warn the people to turn back to him, to turn back to God and to God's ways. You see, because the people were praising, uh, worshiping other idols, and they were also exploiting the most vulnerable, the poor, the widow, uh, the children of their, of their community. And so Jeremiah was used by God to say, y'all need to turn back. Y'all need to turn back. And, and Jeremiah was even used by God to warn them that if they do not turn back, Babylon, their neighbor, the violent country Babylon would come, they would raid the country, 
destroy the temple, and take people away as captives. Now, the people knew how vicious and powerful Babylon were. And they, they, they probably thought, surely God won't allow that to happen. And even though they saw Babylon raiding other countries, they, they believed, no, it's not cannot happen to us. There's no way it can happen to us. But then one day, Babylon came for them. And homes were destroyed. Uh, families were torn apart. People were slaughtered. Even the temple, God's place, the place where people felt God's presence, knew that God was there, that was destroyed. And thousands and thousands of people were then taken as captives into exile back to Babylon to be there to their servants and slaves. And this rocked, this absolutely rocked the nation of Israel. Life as they knew it was over with. They would never be the same. So how do you think the people who were taken to Babylon, how do you feel like they responded when they got there? When they, you know, the dust kind of settled from the moment. How do you feel like they would have responded? Maybe some would have um, just been so just given to despair that they would have left all hope in Israel when they would have left and they would be without any hope. They would just be locked in despair. Maybe other people, they would just think that, well, we're here in Babylon, might as well act like that, and they would adapt and adopt to the ways of Babylon. Maybe there are other people who maybe were righteous, and they decided just to shut down and not allow themselves to really partake in life while in Babylon, because we're, we know that God's going to come for us. He's going to come, and He's going to rescue us, and then we'll, we'll start over again when we get back over there with the life that we used to have. But God was up to something different. God uh, then wanted them to know of a different way. So God, again, used Jeremiah to speak to them, now in exile. And it's in that context that we find Jeremiah 29. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried off into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. This would have been a shocking word. What God is saying there is not, don't worry, I'm about to come for you. It's all about to be over. Hunker down, I'll get there soon. Instead, what God is saying, he's saying, keep living, build houses, plant gardens, have families. In other words, find life while in exile. Find life there. Continue living and discover a new life. Don't try to get back to the old life. Find a new life here. But then Jeremiah's words get even harder. In verse 7, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Think of how shocking those words would have been to the original hearers. As they were taken off to Babylon by their captors, it's not like a word of judgment to Babylon, not yet. But instead it's, hey, while you're there, be a salt, be light, bring about peace to the very people that conquered you. That word peace, 
That Hebrew word shalom is so important for us. The word shalom is one of the most important concepts of all the Bible. Shalom could be translated as peace, but it also means so much more. Shalom also means when life is reordered around the way that God intends it. When that happens, there's shalom there. When, when people are made whole, there's shalom. When communities are restored and people are restored, that is shalom. It's this word that means that there's so much more than peace. It is as if God has restored things. When that restoration happens, there is shalom. So just think about how bizarre this, this word would have been for them. While you are in exile, bring about shalom. Because if you bring about shalom to them, you will find it too. And then in verse 10, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. 70 years. Everyone who is old enough to comprehend what, what they just heard would understand, especially back then, that that means that they're going to spend the rest of their life in exile. Like there's no going back to Israel, no going back to the way, the way things were. That they were going to spend the rest of their days, they're going to live and then die in Babylon. And it's right after that heartbreaking word that we hear the most familiar verse. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I know the plans I have for you. The plans to give you hope and a future. A life there in exile. I mean, so what God's not promising them is some comforting idea of getting them out of suffering, getting them out of difficulty. Instead, God was promising them a provision to teach them how to experience life and shalom there in exile. And how would they be able to learn to do that? What, what would teach them to do that? Well, it's in the very next verse. Verse 12. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. This is how they will experience life and find peace, by seeking God wholeheartedly. The interesting thing for me is this story is 2,500 years old, yet it seems so timely for us. Because as I consider the experience of the world today, it kind of feels like people are in exile now. Just like Israel had heard that Babylon had come for other countries and conquered them, just think about like a month or so ago, hearing how other communities were being affected and how many of us were not afraid of this experience. And then all of a sudden this pandemic knocked on our door three, four weeks ago and life as we knew it stopped. It's like we were pulled out of our routines, pulled out of the life as we had it. And we have, are now having to figure out how to experience life anew. And in the midst of that, we are surrounded by suffering, confusion, fear. It's all around us. We are people that are similar to being taken off in exile. And I think most people today are, are struggling with the same responses that perhaps people experienced in exile in Babylon. How do we respond now? 
do we respond by being stuck in despair? Do we just hunker down and zone out and get entertained as, po- as much as possible and wait it out? Or should we perhaps be open to the fact that the surprising God might want to do something different? What if, what if God's words to, uh, through the prophet Jeremiah would echo true to us here 2,500 years later? That while we are in this season of life, don't zone out. Don't be stuck in despair, but seek life like the garden section of that passage. Cultivate life and peace. Seek to do that. Um, I was emailing with a friend from our church community, uh, and she noticed something that I thought was so astute and so timely. That over the last couple of weeks, there's been a scrambling that we seem to be having. An attempt to reproduce what life was like before this took on to reproduce what our lifestyle before this pandemic happened, before quarantine happened. So now we are trying to work in the same way as we used to. We're using uh, Zoom for work meetings, for happy hours. Movie theaters are now allowing us to uh, watch movies from our home. Uh, Even in the way that the church is trying to function, it's just trying to keep things going as they used to be. So desperate to retain the status quo. Uh, But what if God is wanting to invite us to experience a new life here in exile? To actually, to let status quo go behind us and to discover something new and life-giving in the midst of this pain and sorrow and suffering. To discover and cultivate something new. So I want to offer a question that's been helpful for me as I've processed that for, for my life this week. And here's the question. When COVID is something of the past, what might God want from this time? If God would tell the nation of Israel, I have plans for you, what plans might God have for us during this time? What are his dreams for our lives now, here, taken in exile, taken in quarantine? Perhaps it's to reconnect with loved ones in our life, or it's to rediscover things that we used to find delight in, like painting, Or maybe it's to actually get to know the neighbors, the people that we share fences with, to seek to serve them. Maybe it's to spend more time in God's Word, sitting in it, reflecting in it. I'm not trying to give us a bunch of shoulds. I'm not trying to should you. But I do think that God has plans for this time, to to redeem this time, if we're willing to find life here in exile. One thing I know that God would want for all of us in this time are these words. Call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God wants to be found by you. God wants you to seek him, to call on him, to learn to listen to him, and to do it with more and more of your heart. It makes me wonder, in this season of life, have I created more margin to call on and to listen to God? To be honest, I'm not sure if I have, but I know that that is God's plan for this time, a way to redeem this time. And the way that's redeeming that is that when we do that, we're going to find peace. We're going to find shalom. From the people's experience as they were taken off into exile, what Israel learned is that God is not a God bound by geography. God is not a God held in the temple, but God is a God that can be found in exile. 
the peace of God can be found in Babylon as much as it can be found in Israel. Are the circumstances in our life do not bound God from giving us peace by his presence? This is also what we find in Holy Week. As we walk with Jesus from Palm Sunday through all those trials to this death on Good Friday into the new life on Easter, what we find is the surprising Savior brings life from the midst of suffering and darkness and doubt and pain, that God is even present there. So seek Christ in this season. And as you see Christ, you will find life. So the spiritual practice I want to challenge us with this week is to do this. So to set aside around 15 minutes, get a piece of paper, write on the top of it the question that we posed earlier. When COVID is something of the past, what might God want from this time? So I just want to encourage you to write that question on the top of this page and then spend 15 minutes beginning with silence with God and just ask God, God, what are you, what are you up to? What do you want to do in this season of my life? And just write down what you are hoping for, what you believe that God is up to, and how God might use this time, redeem it for, for you while you're in exile. Let me, let me pray for us. Christ, we thank you for being the God of every season of life. And today as we celebrate you in Palm Sunday, we do declare that you are the Savior. And though that you are a surprising Savior, uh, we know we need you. We need you in this season. We pray for peace. We pray for life. We pray for wisdom that we would learn how to cultivate these things even here and now. And teach us to, to bring peace to other people while we're in this season to be people who are bringing peace that we might find peace. So God, we're going to seek you. We're going to look for you. We're going to listen for you. And we thank you for wanting to be found. We pray this in your name. Amen.